Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnertwine. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Episode 51, Cutting for Sign. Ryan Mickler will be with us in a few moments. Mm -hmm. Before we do, my name is Ron Cecil. I'm a men's coach based out of Portland, Oregon. You can find me on Instagram, rcecil, or simply go to my website, roncecil.com. Or his bizarro website, sizzle.com. Our sizzle is probably (laughs) one of the most important websites ever in history. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, i'm sorry my nickname i'm not the best nickname giver man i'm i'm not the best but yeah. i dubbed you ron fire that's a good one i really like ron fire a lot <laughs> i'm into that all right 51 ryan mickler we are uh, cutting for sign and we're asking for support these days if you want to support us you can go to any of our episode descriptions and there is in all capital letters a hyperlink that just says support and you can Offer us 99 cents a month, five bucks a month, 10 bucks, whatever you want, and we'd appreciate it. What are we talking about today? Ryan Mickler is all about uh, masculinity, and I feel like he's really picked his lane, and I do appreciate that. Yeah. I wouldn't say that though his delivery is 100% my personal style, but as I listen to him a little bit, I really like that he has... He has his voice, he has his lexicon, his verbiage around things. He's confidently saying it. You can tell he believes in it. You can tell he lives it. You know, uh, those are extremes to to varying extents probably, but to enough for me, at least what I'm picking up on. And I do appreciate that. And I value that. And I think that that's kind of what you and I are, are in the process of doing is finding our voice, finding our message, finding our values, and then being able to express them and then live them, which... Lord knows there's a few people out there who would be like, Daniel, that you are full of shit because I have (laughs) definitely gone away from my values. And recently, you know, it happens, but it's always like coming back to back to center. And I think that's what we're finding. I agree. I think he's got some great articulation and I appreciate what he's trying to do out there. And I think that there is like no lack of need. And, and, uh, you know, one of the things they teach you in a lot of business schools or marketing schools is is to to fight that feeling of like well so and so is doing something so why should i do it and and realizing like everybody's voice is so valid because it speaks in a way in a language and a presence that is you know kind of fits lock and key with certain people awesome it's totally required so i appreciate that from him and uh, gives me a lot of honestly confidence like watching him do it because he's you, like everything you said, he's got, he's picked his lane and it's evident. And when people pick their lane, like it's cool to see no matter what yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. if they can still, if they're, if they're nice drivers, you know, like they're in their lane. <laughs> yeah. But they're not flipping everybody else off that are in other lanes or people that are kind of getting in it. You know, I really, yeah. you know, cause like you got it's like Schrodinger's cat is one of the, the best sort of little situations that's come out of the human mind, I think, is that the cat's in the box and it's out of the box at the same time. And we don't really know. There's the Schrodinger's a cat thing. I don't know it in and out, inside yeah. and out, no pun intended. But, you know, I, I do think that holding opposites, living paradoxes, the ability to do that as a prefrontal cortex, specifically human 
trait as I understand it. And it's something that mm. the more I do, I know the more you and I talk about it, yeah. kind of the happier, the more well-rounded and relaxed our psyches are. And it's also can be a challenging thing to do when you pick your lane, because by definition, picking your lane means I'm not about this and that, you know, yeah. Yeah. but those other, this is, and that's, you know, still need to exist. And, and maybe they even have a little bit of influence on your lane still. And that, that's a challenging thing to, to balance. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I probably am a kind of a beginner, definitely beginner in the picking my lane. Like, because I've, I've enjoyed such a broad, you know, you've heard the phrase be a jack of all trades. Yeah. But, a, but a master of none, actually the way it was originally written was be a jack of all trades and a master of some. And really, a, did you just make that up? No, I didn't No. Really? That's the original. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And cause you need, you need like, you know, really truly in your life, like three to five big things in your life that you're really good at, right? Like taking care of your health, taking care of like being in relationship. Right. And it's probably the contextually about like, you know, skills for work or something like that. But nowadays, man, you gotta be, you gotta be able to hand, you gotta spin a, a few plates and have them going. Yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that. Um, yeah. Now we're talking about a whole nother skill set, the, uh, the ability to get good at several different things and take care of several different things without the whole, you know, the yeah. whole suffering, you know, yeah. like I was telling you this morning, you know, piano is important to me, but it's not, it's, it's important. And if in another lifetime, I would be a piano player. Hmm. So how do I represent this, but also not have it be a source of guilt because yeah. I'm not doing it and, yeah. and be a source of, and, and how can it not take over my life by me doing it? too much giving it too much than its actual place and as i was telling you this morning about a month or two ago i figured out oh i need to practice quality about 10 minutes a day yeah. well that quality and in a specific way that gets me to be better and that is fun enough well that took work to do but i figured it out now 10 minutes a day i look forward to playing piano it's the way i like close the day out i can't yeah. wait to do it you know nice. and and it's easy and yeah. i and also when i hit that 10 minute point i usually want to keep going and sometimes i do but sometimes i'm like boom, see you tomorrow, you know, yeah. shut that thing and go to bed. Yeah. I have had periods where writing is that and I'm trying to get back into that again now. Yeah. Well, that's and tougher because 10 minutes a day for writing is that's not enough for you. The one way I can keep it going is when I feel like I want to keep going. Yeah. And, and so like I, where I'm ending, which is, you know, an old uh, Hemingway trick, like where I'm ending is where, like, I know there's more in me, a lot more to come out and and yeah. getting to press the pause button on that and then come back to it the next morning. That's a value, man. That's my old cross country coach used to say, my oh, track really? coach, they used to say, finish, you want to be healthy and, and always maintain your health as a runner, finish feeling like you can do more. So cutting for sign a little bit today with Ryan Mickler. Uh, yeah. what, what, what's he call out on you? Like, you know, you know, what's cool about Ryan is I, he caught my attention years ago. I mean, I can't, I don't know the number, but I'm going to several years. And I've watched him be very consistent over time. And yeah. that's a value of mine. And it, it was something I really struggled with. And some of it's because I didn't have role models. Some of it's because I didn't realize I had ADD. And so it was hard to like stick with something. Yeah. And consistency into adulthood was difficult for me. And so I love that he is showing that with his world and listening to some of the, you know, teachings he's done or conversations or any of those things like, that's a value of his. And I don't know his, his exact journey of how he got there or how that value got into him. But when someone does that over time, you know, consistent, steady pressure in the direction they want to go, yeah, it always 
I don't, I don't say it always works, but damn, it is sure effective. Like yeah, it, it seems like it'd be yeah. one of the most important things. I'd love to kind of pick up how he, knowing, knowing that he had a similar situation with dads as I did, you know, we didn't have yeah. a steady father figure. I'd love to kind of pick his, pick his experience, like hear his stories around some of that a little bit. So yeah, that's maybe. what I'm, I'm looking for. What are you looking for? Um, well, I think this one has been more meaningful for me around how it is meaningful for you. Cause I know mm. he's kind of brought up a little bit of, uh, would you say insecurity in, in your, for, for you? What would you say that is? That's a good question. Yeah. We were talking about it earlier. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I like what Anne Lamott says about watching other writers get published and get more famous than she does. And yeah. she just calls it jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't beat around them. Okay. She doesn't. And I've, and I've been trying to give myself more permission to like not beat around the bush around my emotions. Fuck yeah. 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 And so just call it what it is. Yeah. And so going, you know what? I'm jealous. But then, then also realizing, well, he deserves the success because he's not stopped working and he's not stopped putting the, the steady constant pressure into it. And he's, and also he's like providing great value to humanity right now in this part, in this part of the world. And it's a little bit in opposition to a lot of like, I'd say popular thinking and culture, but we need that. I think we need that opposition sometimes. It and seems like into that. jealousy is a call to action. And I, mm. I hear that, you know, that yeah, well said. And it, it sounds like the, some of the things that he seems to be doing is, is are things that you're, you're incorporating into your life and that haven't had the chance to bear the fruit because you're kind of like you were saying you're earlier in the process, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I am earlier in the process, but it's it like earlier in the sense that I've only, I, what did you say earlier today? about kind of waking up after 20 years yeah yeah like I, i'm only now realizing like how to really take care of myself i think that really push towards things i think that there's things that the you and the ryan micklers of the world you know you you each have are building something that yeah. that he's a little further down the line in one or two ways and you're a little further down the line in other ways and a good friend of mine and a friend of yours friend of the show David Robles, he was actually a mm -hmm. guest with us with Steve Maxwell in a, yeah. a good conversation a yeah, few uh, couple, few months ago. He and I were always like, man, we're we're kind of like arrested development, Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah. It feels like that, but yeah. I feel like what we're doing is really good, you know? And so we would always talk to ourselves like, I think we're building the foundation for when we for when it's time to start building the outward thing that it's going to go up fast and strong, you yeah. know? And I feel like you have been doing that probably more than anyone I've ever met. And I think that what you're experiencing right now is the going up fast and strong, you know, yeah. right at the beginning of it. It's really cool to see. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. I, I, oh, I think that a lot of the, this, this gap has actually, now I'm thinking about it and wondering for you is like, what, I think I had to learn how to parent myself. There you go. And I had to learn how to like care and feed for myself in a real way. Is that, cause I, I was told, you know, I was told like really weird shit as a child and, and 
for some reason I was you know ignored a lot for my family. And I don't think because they, they didn't like me. I just think everyone was just so freaking overwhelmed with the life that they were leading that they yeah. just didn't know how to handle. Yeah. You know, like oh he's okay. He can just figure it out. On his <laughs> yeah. own. There's <laughs> so much neglect going on. <laughs> Time. I think that I organize my thoughts around this. I think that if you and your position are looking to lead other people, it's so easy to jump into doing that and neglect. But then the truth is, is you're helping men particularly do something that you need to be really, really good at yourself, you know? And so we were talking about that 20 years that we both kind of spent doing, you know, shadow careers, uh, yeah, shadow Shadow careers. Fuck yeah. yeah. Shadow, shadow relationships, (laughs) shadow boxing, shadow, just shadow, lots of shame. Yeah. And then I was like thinking about all this time and I'm like, man, I really feel like I'm so much more close. I get a tipping point of what Mm. I want in life, what I have to offer and how to actually do it. Boy, that was a long time to, (laughs) it's easy to label it waste, you know, but then I really think about it and look at it. I'm like, wow, every day of that was probably really valuable, you know, like more valuable than if I arrived here 20 years ago, because I probably would have like injured myself or hurt others or just fizzled out or gotten misguided in what I what I had to offer how to offer it you know it's just like I think that you and I are really lucky to have arrived where we're at at the age that we're at you know yeah and I I mean I I think there is luck for sure and I think also knowing you for the last decade that in a lot of instances we've had to fight tooth and nail man like we've had to dig to the deepest parts of our soul that's undoubtedly true and and like I, as I'm just listening, like it's not without a ton of effort and a ton of pain that we've been through to uncover the part of us that we know we're capable of being. And sometimes it just takes us longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, it's funny too. We were talking earlier today about authenticity and yeah. it just kind of came out of my mouth, but it's, it's true. It's like, I think I'm probably authentic about five minutes a day. You what know? do you like, mean that? Unpack that for me. Just like, yeah. <laughs> like truly, unafraid. Is that what you mean? Like, fuck. I mean, I mean like the thing that I said was exactly how I feel. I yeah. mean, the emotional, pre- the presence, you know, mm. presence. I'm really present imagination Mm. that I'm truly having an imaginative moment. That is me, you know, let alone expressing that through art or through my voice, you know, talking or whatever Mm -hmm. and moving my body where I'm actually relaxed and actually, you know, like we were watching midnight gospel, you and I independently of each other. Yeah. And there's that last episode where Duncan Trussell's character is hanging out with Duncan Trussell's mom. He's hanging out with his mom, having her on the podcast. Yeah. And she's like, have you ever <laughs> have you ever felt inside your body? What's it feel like inside your body? You know, yeah. you you were saying how you were practicing this. Afternoon. Yeah, I tried it. I tried it. I was listening. And and I just was doing that a little bit myself. And I was like, mm. oh yeah, inside my body feels good. You know, mm. like inside my, an uninjured part of my body, inside my hand. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. And I love the way he said it. It feels kind of like two magnets that want to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. it does feel like that. Kind of just a positive charge you know just a charge to it a, a weight a density and a present it's nice yeah. it's a good feeling go into an uninjured part of your body and just like put your mind there and it's it's a warm cozy place you know yeah. probably yeah. Uh, if you really if you did that on a little bit of a 
the shrooms or something, you would you would start to feel how it was to be in the womb. You know, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Warm, bloody, fucking, you know, healthy, vibrating. You know, yeah. Well, yeah. I was like, if that's happening all the time in my body, mm. the fact that I'm not identifying it is probably one of the main reasons and not putting my attention on it that I just don't feel better all the time, you know, because yeah. that's a that's a consistent feeling in my body. And I think that's what she was getting at. Yeah. You yeah. know, so you could probably go to you could probably go to a retreat, spend three weeks focusing on that and level up your ability to just have that background running baseline feeling of of good, healthy in your body. Yeah. That would then inform your life and your day as you go on. Do you know what I mean? I do. I I I've been listening to On Being, the podcast hosted by Krista Tippett, and she had interviewed a guy named John O'Donohue in the mid two thousands before he passed away. And he talks about presence a lot. And, and I won't get into his talk, but I'll get into my experience listening to him because I want more presence because that presence is I'm here right now. My mind isn't somewhere else. It's not in a story about a future. Yeah. It's not in a fantasy about the past. It's here right now. And listening, I've had to listen to the thing three times because of how often I hear something that, he, that, that lands with me really well and makes me feel really impacted. And then immediately, th I, my mind immediately goes into how that might be beneficial in some other area of my life. And I start kind of playing that out in my life. And I, I mean, if I was, you know, more cognizant at the moment, I'd probably hit pause and then let myself do that. But I'm, I've instead right now, which I think is also good and valuable is I, is I notice that it's happening. And then I rewind it to go listen to what my brain didn't pick up right after he dropped that like little truth bomb on me. That's some ninja shit, man. You you've been doing that a lot lately. That's that's very cool. We'll it's it's that. hard to do. I, you know, I've noticed like when I read, when I noticed I read my brain, I can be reading even out loud, and my brain can wander off somewhere else, and start thinking about something completely oh, independent of, of my mouth moving. <laughs> like how does that do? How does that happen? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been noticing more and more, and I, and I and I love the practice of being here right now. Hey, Ryan Mickler's here. Shall we hey, all right. let him in? I guess. All right, here we go. Ryan Mickler, you are a blogger, podcaster, husband, father, Iraqi combat veteran, and the founder of the Order of Man movement and podcast. You grew up without a permanent father figure and have seen firsthand how a lack of strong, ambitious, self-sufficient men has impacted society. You believe many of the world's most complicated problems could be solved if men everywhere learned how to be better husbands, fathers, businessmen, and community leaders. It has now become your life's mission to help men across the planet step more fully into their roles as protectors, providers, and presiders over themselves, their families, their businesses, and their communities. Ryan Mickler, welcome to Cutting for Sun. What's up, guys? Glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Awesome. Us too, awesome. man. Glad yep. to hear that. Ryan, I got to say, man, I'm, I'm proud and impressed with, and jealous. Let's just say that. Let's get that out of the way right away. Don't of worry the, about that. Of the years and consistency that you have put into this and watching it grow because of your consistency and effort. And that's impressive, man. Like if we, if we learn by watching and learn by example, like you're doing it. So if I'm seeing that and stepping more into who I want to be, who I hope I'm capable of being, I'd imagine that there's a multitude of me's out there who are also doing it in their own ways. 
You do you ever feel yeah, that? I mean, I hope, do you ever feel that like impact of your consistency? I I know. I'll say it this way: I know it's consistency that makes it what it is. As far as the impact, you know, I I was at a hunt expo this last weekend, and to have people come up to you and say, "Hey, man, I've been listening to your podcast for the past you know four years or five nice. years or whatever it is." And, you know, you really changed my outlook or I've, I've gotten in shape or I've started a business or I've fixed things with my wife or I've connected with my kids. Like, man, like that's a lot of, that's a lot of responsibility. It's a weight that I'm, I'm proud to be able to attempt to shoulder. You know, I always, I don't always do great with that, but I don't don't know. I don't know how to answer your question, (laughs) but I am proud for sure. I am proud when I, when I hear from people who are positively impacted by the work we're doing. 100%. What do you mean that you don't always do great with that? Well, I, I don't always do great with realizing what we're doing because I, I don't know. I'm so committed, I guess, to what it is we're trying to accomplish that sometimes it's hard for me to look up. Yeah. You know, and 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 see the results. Is that what you mean? Yeah, because I, I care about the results, but I realized, and this goes back to your point about consistency, that in order to achieve the results, it's going to require consistency. Like, let me give you an example. So I just finished the first manuscript for our second book. And congrats. I turned it into the, thank you very much. I turned it into the publisher and my wife was ecstatic about it. Hey, I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited. Congratulations. She's always been a great supporter of what, what I'm doing regardless of what I'm doing. Well, not, not everything. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's say that. Not everything. Yeah. Um, but she, but you guys get it what I'm saying anyways. And she's like, are you excited? And I'm like, I don't know. Not really. Like I'm ready for the next thing. And she's like, yeah. why can't you just celebrate? I said, we just have so much work to do, uh, you know? So it's hard yeah. at times for me to look up and think, oh, we've done it or we're yeah. doing it. I don't know if yeah. we are like, I'm just doing it and I'm going to keep doing it regardless yeah. of the outcome. How would you measure your success then? Out of curiosity, like if you, like, work. When you, like when you get to your deathbed and you're thinking about it, like, what do you want to feel about this? Did I give everything it required? Yeah. You know, everything I don't look, I don't care if 10 people listen to my podcast or 10 million people listen to my podcast. Yeah. Well, that's not fair. I do want, <laughs> yeah, I do sure. want more people to listen because I know it will serve them. Yeah. But I don't measure it by that. I measure by everything I gave to it. And if mm-hmm. I fell short of that, then I fell short regardless of the outcome. But I know based on past experience that the outcomes will always take care of themselves, right? Like if you want to, if you want to pull a 500 pound deadlift, go do deadlifts. Like Mm -hmm. inevitably you'll be able to pull 500 pounds. If you want to grow a podcast, like all of us are growing here, then podcast and it will take care of itself. If you want to build your relationship, then work on communication and, and work on being open and work on sharing your, your feelings and being committed to that person. And the relationship will work out. Like the results will take care of themselves. So many guys focus so heavily on the results. And that's a problem because we have this false sense of reality or expectations about what it takes. And so what we do is mm-hmm. we say, all right, let's go back to the deadlift. For example, I want to pull 500 pounds this year. Okay. Well, what if you blow out your knee? Yeah. Yeah. Are you a failure? No, you're not a failure. Like you didn't hit your 500 pounds yet. You're not a failure. You may have failed, but you're going to need to go back to the drawing board. You're going to need some, some rehabilitation on that knee. You're going to need to build your strength back up and you're going to get back on track. And so what a lot of guys do, because they have a false sense of expectations about what it takes to build strength or build wealth or start a podcast or start a business 
is they don't give themselves enough time to achieve the inevitable result yeah. because they're delusional about what it'll take. And then they throw in the towel too soon. Big time. And if you're, and if you're, if you are, you know, have are, are anywhere on the spectrum of ADD, then your, then your perception of time is wildly off. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think I, I agree. And I and say I that think, as a person who didn't know he had ADD until I was almost 40. Well, I agree with you because I'm right there with you. And, and based on my conversations with very highly successful people, yeah, uh, a lot of these guys are two things, ADD, meaning they chase that bright and shiny object. Yep. And it's, it's very fleeting. Like, Oh, that sounds interesting. Oh, now this, Oh, yeah. now that, Oh, now yeah. this, or they're super obsessive, mm-hmm. like ultra obsessive. They just yeah. get obsessed over this thing and both can serve you and both can hurt you, you know? So it's about harnessing, harnessing both or either for productive outcomes, whatever you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I go ahead, Daniel. Now you're good. You know, I, I think that I've, I've had some success in certain areas of my life that, that felt kind of accidental you know, jobs, leading businesses, leading companies. And then there were certain things in my life that I had always wanted to do. And, and one of those was to, I, I started rock climbing when I was 17. And probably because of the passion I felt at the time, had gone to, Yos- I should have gone to Yosemite and like just lived there for a while and gotten my, you know, the yucks out of me, right? Like just done it and got it out of my system. And instead, like I had a midlife crisis, you know, a few years ago of like, oh my gosh, there's some unfinished business I have. And it was, I think it was Grant Cardone's book, 10X, one of those, you know, things. Yeah. And, and I was like on a Southwest flight coming back from a conference for a job I had at the time. And, and he's like, are you, are you pursuing consistently that thing inside you that you know, you've got to accomplish. And, and I, you know, to your point, you had to give a little talk on self-care recently and and I knew that that pursuing that was going to be kind of like loving a part of me that needed to know it wasn't neglected anymore. And the way he described it was saying, like, write down everything you know you know, and then write down everything you know you don't know. And then there's a third column for the things you you don't know you don't know. Right. And on the airplane, I I, I wrote those three columns out. You know, I left one column blank. And it was at that moment i realized how much i did not know and what was going to be required of me to go complete that and it took me you know the better part of a year of consistent lot of training you know three to five days a week of two to three hours of work and exercise and training and and i did it and it was like congrats you know, man yeah thanks man it was really hard the the training was really hard but i at that moment, I realized like, holy moly, if I can continue to apply the same kind of thinking and the same pl- kind of consistency to other areas of my life, I can, I can be to, begin to put this together. Daniel, what were you about to say? Oh, well, actually, before I do that, where, yeah. how, would you say that you're in the middle of another push toward like a, a, a is El Capitan, right? Yeah. Are you, you talking are you me? In, are you talking yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are yeah. you in the? No, not me. Like, not me. I, I, that ain't me. Are you fully? <laughs> That's in, you, bro. Are yeah. you fully in the? In the? You know, in in like, are you fully in the adventure of of training? Quote three to five times a week for the next El Capitan. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say oh, that you're definitely. all like in? Right committed? now, at this point in my life, it's like more like 
you know, seven days a week and, you know, hours a day of, of pushing towards my life. Uh, It seems like it. I just, it's interesting and very cool to Uh, connect that. Yeah. Let, let me say one thing on that guys. Like, so one of the questions I get quite often from people is, you know, Ryan, if you could do anything in the world, you know, what would it be? Yeah. (laughs) And I hate that question because fly like Superman. (laughs) I can, no, no, no. Like a, I I think what they're looking for is like, what are your big aspirations? You know? And so like, it's not fly necessarily, but it's, it's like legitimate. Like, what are your aspirations? Number one, I can do anything I want to do just like you can. Yeah. And number two, I'm doing it, you know? And so anybody who's asking those questions is somebody who knows they want to do something, but they aren't doing it. And they're coming up with a bunch of reasons. And, you know, Ron, I don't know, I don't know your reasons, you know, but you had reasons you weren't doing it before there was excuses and justifications and rationalizations and something on that flight switched for you, you know, whether it was reading that book or hearing something in a new way or looking at it from a different perspective And now you're answering the question and we should all be answering the question. You know, there's so many people out there who, you know, they get up every morning because the alarm goes off and, you know, maybe they, they get a shower in shave and maybe they grab a bite on on the way out. They sit in traffic for up to two, three hours at a time. They go into an office, they hate their work. They come back, they pat their kids on the head. They, you know, maybe try to give their wife some maybe attention and then they go to sleep and they do the same thing over and over again. It's like, you can do everything you want to do and you actually have to be in the process of pursuing it. So I, I don't like that question, but when guys ask me, I feel, I feel for them a little bit. I'm like, what the hell are you doing with your life? Yeah. If you yeah. weren't answering that question for yourself. I notice a lot of that comes for me, a lot of the reason and those excuses and whatever the reason was, it came up, it came down to a lack of imagination uh, a lot of blind spots, a lot of neglect, a lot of corrosion covering up the real answers. And I know all of that's kind of vague, but really get coming up with those answers was quite a, quite a process. And a lot of it was, was digging back into what I really wanted at the other ages, other times in my life. And then going, oh yeah, I forgot that dream. Why? Oh, that was a legit reason. I actually don't care about that. Okay, cool. Put that one aside. What about this dream? Oh yeah, no, I fucking still want that, but I kind of want a different version of it. And then you got to sit down and do a little bit of work and create it and figure it out, you know? And that's what that process is, has looked like and continued to look like for me. But it sounds like Ryan, maybe for you, it's been a little clearer this whole time or what? No, never, never clear. You know, you just charge for, but I, I, I want to ask you something about that. You know, you, one of the things you said, and, and, it, I, look, I can't tell you what you believe. Like, I can't tell you, yeah. I disagree with what you believe, but I would question whether or not it's an imagination or whether it's more of sedation. Like I, I've never met a guy who doesn't have some sort of ambition or dream for the future. That's imagination, right? You're thinking about what could possibly be, but what we do, like, here, here's a good, here's a good exercise. Go ask 10 people. Hey, if you could do like that question, if you could do anything you ever wanted to do, everything, anything you ever wanted to dream of within reason, you know, that was actually feasible. Yeah. What would it be? And then the 10 people you ask would give you an answer, right? And then out of the, out of their mouths, the very next sentence would be, but dot, 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 dot. Yeah. So it's not imagination. It's sedation, right? We sedate ourselves with drugs and alcohol and pornography and a paycheck and social media and politics and all of this other bullshit. And it keeps us from following through on our imagination. 
You know, I've got four kids from the ages of 13 down to five years old. They're all imaginative. That doesn't go away just because you hit 40 years old. You did something to subdue it. There's something in your life that's, that's sedating that, that's keeping, that's tampering the imagination that we have. Yeah. And I, I think that's the that. challenge most guys have because everybody has a dream, but they always backfill it with, but I have responsibilities, but my wife, but my kids, but this, but I live here, but I have this debt. Like when we moved out here, my wife and I and our four kids moved out here to uh, Maine from Southern Utah. I had a bunch of people say, oh, well, you know, I really wish I could do, I wish I could move and I wish I could do, and they weren't being mean spirited. Yeah. I'm like, bro, you can do that. And you yeah. know what they said? Oh, I have debt my wife, this, my kids, that I'm like, I had all that stuff too, man. We left, we left our home and that was the home that my wife's grandfather built. Wow. My, we, we had our, our wedding reception there. My brother-in-law, her brother had their wedding reception there. Her parents had their wedding reception there. Her grandfather died in that home. Like, like we, we had friends, our kids had friends. We had reasons to be there. And yet we made the decision yeah. and overcame the obstacles to make something else happen. Yeah. What do you think is below awesome. the layer of sedation? I agree. I agree that we're all sedating ourselves. Like it's, it's the easiest, most accessible way to avoid things we want to avoid in our life. And what do you think is like below that for, for folks, for most people? Fear. It's fear. It's emotion. Hmm. Right. Like what if, what if, okay, so you want to move yeah. across the country, right? Yeah. You want to climb El Capitan. Okay. That's some scary shit, man. Like, I don't like, I don't like heights. I, I don't want to climb up the face of a rock. Like, I don't want to die. I've got a lot of things that I want to do that are at odds with climbing up the face of, of this, this rock. Okay. Just well, like so. you, like we're no different. <laughs> you have that too. <laughs> Yeah. I, right? By the way, I'm also afraid of heights. <laughs> Believe okay, it or not. So, right. That's the point. I'm like, yeah. you have the same fears I do. Yeah. Right. We all have the same fears. And so now look, there's on one end of the equation, there's like, that's not an interest of mine. Okay. Like it's just not, it's not something yeah. I'm interested in. It doesn't yeah, make yeah. it any less or better or whatever. But on the other end of the equation, there's guys who say, I am interested in that, but the fear is what gets to them. And so instead of facing the fear like men, they choose to sedate themselves with all of these things I just told you about, whether yeah. it's drugs, porn, alcohol. Or responsibility, whatever. right? Like work, you know, bury yourself in work, bury yourself in a shitty job, bury yourself in yeah. whatever. They're called noble obstacles. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Those I are heard the you easiest. say that before. That's, I like that a lot. Those are the easiest. Like the no ones are the easiest because yeah. everyone because else look, is going, good job, good job, yeah. work more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you, oh, you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be. Cause yeah, if I totally. said, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a raging alcoholic and I'm addicted to crack. Everybody like, you're a loser. Oh, Ron was also yeah, that's, that. Not the crack part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and all honestly, eight years tomorrow will be eight years alcohol free. Congrats. Thanks. Congrats. But yeah. you know, like everybody, Everybody probably, you know, acknowledged that was not a good thing for you, including yourself, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, kind well, of. I was good at hiding that buddies. shit. I was really good at sneaking it around and all that stuff. But sure. once it came but if up, they it knew. Like, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, the, but the, if the, you said, hey, I can't go climb El Capitan because, you know, I've got, I've got this job. I just started this job and, you know, I don't, I don't, man, I don't really want to, 
take ask for time off. I just started this career. And, you know, it was like, oh yes, good, good boy. That's a good decision. Yeah. yeah you, you're doing the right thing. So those are the noble obstacles that are easy because everybody else would cheer you on. Totally. Nobody's going to cheer you on except for your drunk buddies for being an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. The reason I asked about what was below the sedation, sedation. was because in my early days, I mean, I, I got to a point where I, I finally understood that all of the the rowdiest disagreements between my wife and I and the moments I really lost my shit with my kids who were little at the time were preceded with some volume of alcohol. Mm. So it made sense to me. Like, hey, let's stop this. And I and I asked I asked a friend, like, what do I need to do to stop? And he's like, Have you tried this thing called AA? <laughs> I was like, as if there was some magical thing. And I and and I and I was just kind of tired of like trying to figure it out on my own. And I went. And and the first thing I heard was, Hey, if you're really serious, you need to come 90 times in 90 days. Mm-hmm. It's a non-negotiable. Wow. Every single yeah. day for 90 days, no matter what. Doesn't doesn't matter if you're sick. Doesn't matter if your family is sick, you will figure it out. And and in that time, which I feel like was one of the some of the best healing and reflective and 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 transform transformative transformative times of my life, I heard someone say, "Few of us really have a drinking problem. Many of us have life problems, and we don't know what to do with those life problems. And alcohol is the fastest way." to remove ourselves from the constant pressure of not knowing what to do with life. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. And, and I mean, you know, some, the question is a little loaded. Like, what do you think is underneath the sedation? And I well, think you- you're completely right. Like it's life. Like we don't know what to do. We're fear, you know, we're scared as hell of heights of leaving the job of, of getting out of a relationship that we know deep down is not for us of stepping into something that we know is going to require something from us that we've never been able to give like well, 90 potentially, days. Well, potentially if you even have all of those things quote together, it could be just the existential crisis of being alive. Just the underlying fuck I'm in a body that's going to die. Like yeah, that we were watching the show. Have you heard of the show midnight gospel, Ryan? I have no, I haven't. It's pretty good. It's an animated Duncan Trussell uh, comedian. He has a podcast. Um, and then he did something really unique where he takes the episodes of the podcast, edits them, and then animates a story over them. And so the audio of the show is his podcast, but, and this is on Netflix, oh, interesting. but the visual is this crazy psychedelic experience so of crazy. him and the character, yeah. like going, it's, it's really interesting. interesting. Well, on the last one, he has his mom on and a couple of, he has like Anne Lamont and he has Dr. Phil is one of them. He's, they have a conversation about drug use. It's excellent. But in one of the episodes, they just talk about, they get pretty deep into just the, the the challenge of being alive, you know? And I think that Ronald, to your point and, and Ryan to yours, that feeling that escape from that you use, maybe Ron used for a while in drinking, you know, that can be a phone addiction, right? That can be like you, all the things you listed, of course, the low hanging fruit, porn and drinking drugs, love, emotional, atta- negative emotional attachment, but it's really nice personally to start to put these things down. And for me over the last few years, as I do, one thing falls away after another. And that it's not a coincidence that clarity uh, of imagination comes as a result of those things starting to fall away. 
And it's one of the most liberating things I've ever experienced. So I, that's why I say imagination, because my imagination is coming back when I ask myself that question, holy shit, I can do anything I want. Like, I really feel like I can do anything I want. So what do you come up with? And then now that the distractions are falling away, I'm coming up with some answers that are interesting. And then you go, oh, awesome. I'll do that. But then five, six, seven, 10 days later, I'm like, actually, no, that's, this is even better. And then it's a kind of compounding experience of getting really clear of possibility and it's liberating. I fucking love it. Yeah, man. I, I look, I commend you. That's awesome. You know, one thing that I'm, I'm thinking about and I was, I'm taking notes. I'm not like <laughs> checking my text. Like I'm writing stuff down. <laughs> I'm writing that. What is it? Duncan Trussell, midnight, something midnight, midnight gospel. I don't know midnight if it'll gospel, be your taste, but he's a, he's a Joe Rogan Maybe. guy. I don't know. He's, he's a legit yeah. dude. I know of him, there. but yeah, I'll have to check that out. But the other thing I wrote down here is you were talking about imagination. And, and I think, you know, I think what we have to do is we have to couple that with courage, hmm. you know, because well when, said. when yeah, you start really to well imagine, said. yeah, I mean, when you start to imagine about how things could be, you know, and, and, and it's different than what they are, right? Yeah. Whether it's, you have, you have a, a, a powerful relationship with your wife, for example, let's, let's take that. But maybe things are on the rocks right now, you know, and you guys are struggling and, and there's a lot of vitriol and animosity and contention in the relationship, but you imagine in your mind, this, this relationship that you had when you first met her and when you guys were in love and things were good. Well, the next step is, is courage, right? Like you have to have enough courage to maybe it share the vision with her or maybe you need to forgive her, or maybe you need to ask for forgiveness from her for some things that you've done. Like there's some things that are happening and it takes courage. And the beautiful thing about it is that when you exhibit courage, it unlocks more imagination. Yeah. Nice. Right. Because yeah. courage leads to results and you're like, Oh shit, this is possible. Like I actually <laughs> can have a loving relationship with my wife. What if not only is it loving, like what if we're living it to its fullest Yeah. and now we're going on vacations and we're having kids and we're tackling real world problems together and we're creating experiences and that derived from first imagination and second, the courage to do something about that imagination you're experiencing. Yeah. And to be clear, courage is, I'm, I'm going to give my paraphrased definition is doing it even when you're scared shitless. Agreed. Yeah. It's not, it's not correct. You know, like you'll, you'll hear people say, oh man, you know, you, I don't know, you, you ran a marathon and people are like, oh, that's so brave. That's so bold. Yeah. That's so courageous. And it's like, no, I ran 40 of them already. Like that didn't take any more effort than what I've done. Like courage is not fear, not being there at all and doing something that other people would think it's courageous. It's being scared as shit yeah. and doing it anyways, which is why courage is subjective. You know, so we see a guy who, you know, maybe he, he's on his fifth combat deployment and we think that's courageous and maybe it is, or maybe, you know, what be more courageous for that guy is to retire and mm. go be with his wife and kids, mm. but he's scared yeah. of shit is doing, of doing that. Yeah. He's not scared of combat. He's scared of being a civilian. Yeah. So which is more courageous? Yeah. It's subjective. Right. Yeah. Do, do you experience, have you experienced less fear as time has gone on? Do you have areas that have been particularly challenged other than heights been particularly <laughs> challenging for you? Did that you face potentially on a daily basis? And if so, do you mind talking a little bit around that? 
I, I experience less fear with the things that I used to be fearful of mm -hmm. as long as I'm working towards those things. That's awesome. So, you know, like jumping on a podcast, for example, I didn't have any sort of fear yeah. or, or nervousness as I jumped on this podcast with you. Yeah. When I, when I record an interview with somebody else, you know, maybe a little bit, if I have like some, you know, big name, high caliber guest on, I might exhibit a little bit of that. But I know that, you know, I'm, I'm prepared. I know I can ask good questions. We can have a meaningful conversation, but I, I've, I've conquered that fear, you know, mm. but there, but there's other fears that I have, like, like writing a book, you know, that's, mm. that's not a medium I'm totally comfortable with. And so actually the second book that I wrote that I was mentioning earlier, I'm more worried about this book than I was my first. Why is that? I, I think I care more about it. I think I know the stakes you know, like before Such I didn't as. really know the stakes. Well, I just threw it out there and I was like, I don't give a shit if anybody likes it or not. Like, this is something I want to put out there and that's cool. And now I'm like, no, I want to make New York times. Mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I want to, I want to put something out there. That's going to be mainstream. Yeah. That's going to serve as many people as possible. And yeah. so I placed this extra burden on myself, which I don't think is bad. Like, I think it's good that you place extra responsibility on yourself. And the fact yeah. that I'm worried about it, means that I, that I care about it. So, you know, I have fears around the things that I I'm not, not totally comfortable with just, just like anybody else, you know? No, no. Ron is in the middle of a book writing process and he was actually just reading a scene for me a little earlier today, which was cool and curious, just, this is kind of a little bit of a pivot, but, uh, your writing practice, what does that look like? Has that been challenging to work in? You have children, you're married, you have an empire of podcast and order of man. That's a lot. How did you work writing in and what did that look like? Yeah, man, it sucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't like writing. I don't enjoy the writing process. I, I don't enjoy it. Like, I, I wish I could tell you, oh, it was amazing. And you do these things and it's beautiful and it, everything gets easier. And it was like grinding for me. Mm. So what I decided to do is that I'm going to, I had a pretty good outline, but I'm going to write this book in 60 days. I'm going to write 60,000 words in 60 days. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because I know about myself, if I put it off and I say, hey, I'm going to write 60,000 words in 12 months, you know, like, I'm not going to do that. Like, there's no way. But if I say 60 mm. and 60, yeah, I'm going to do that. 100%. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So I wrote my, my goal was to write 1000 words per day. And I averaged about 12 to 1300 words per day. I missed some days admittedly, yeah. um, but I always caught up for them always. And so I hit 60,000 words, I think on day 55 or 56, somewhere right in there. And, and my goal was that that's what I did. I just wrote regardless of how I felt or if I wanted to, or if I didn't want to, like I just wrote and we put together what I think is a a pretty good book, but time will tell. Do you, can you say that? I don't get to yet? decide that. No, I can't. I, I wish I could tell you. I, I can't tell you that yet. We're very, That's very fun. close, but I, I yeah. can't, I can't disclose that just yet. That's great, man. Congrats on that, dude. That's a big deal. Thank you. That's yeah. a really yeah, big yeah, deal. You. Yeah. I've, I've had the experience of writing both a screenplay and now this piece of fiction that I had to do exactly the same thing. It was 90,000 words in 90 days. And I had to just freaking like pound it out and, it. Yep. and like, you know, it, there is this effort that, you know, you don't feel like it's there. And then, and then you put a day in and then another day in and then another day in, and then suddenly you've got those words. And if you can aim, like you talked about it for that, like 12 to 1300 words, sometimes like just let it go. Got it. Yeah. You know, makes some, makes some momentum. That's There's great. There's a Pablo Picasso 
it's not a quote because I'm not going to quote it, but the gist is, <laughs> you know, people will go like, oh, I like to work when I'm inspired. You know, I like to oh, yeah. I get, I work when I'm inspired. He goes, yeah, I like to work when I'm inspired too. I usually find inspiration when I'm working. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, I go no, back to all the true. time. You know, seriously, like I have been in the deadest creative times in my life and then approached either in my writing career, which is, is past or in painting, which is present total uninterest in writing or painting and then sitting down and for whatever reason making myself do it and i've had some of the best sessions and i always those sessions always leave me thinking jesus christ how much time have i lost thinking that i just wasn't a a day to write or a day to paint when i could have created that with within 20 minutes you know what i mean that transition it's amazing yeah well one of the things i learned through the first book I wrote and this one as well, is that, you know, if I have a goal of of a thousand words, for example, the hardest words to write are the first 200 or so. Yeah, for sure. That's right. You know, and then when you get past those first 200, it's like, oh yeah, man, I caught a storyline or I remembered that one experience that I had two Mm -hmm. years ago that ties in perfectly to this, this scenario. And then there's also one other tactic that I learned or, or utilized in, in writing. And I've used it in other facets of my life is that I would, I never came to a blank page, like never. And what I mean by that is I would write, for example, I'd, I'd write a chapter and let's say I closed out the chapter at a thousand words, you know, maybe 1100 yeah. words. I closed out the chapter. It would be very easy just to like, okay, cool. Yeah. Close out the chapter, 1100 words, I'm done. And then come back tomorrow to chapter 13. But instead of doing that, what I did is I'm like, okay, close out that chapter. I'm in the flow. Like, let me just write two paragraphs of chapter 13, or let me write five bullet points that I th- I'm thinking of. I, it may not be it, but let me just write those down. And then when I came back the next day, I've already got two chap- or two paragraphs written, or I've already got five bullet points that I can riff on. Yeah, that's and crafty. I do the same thing with my work is... So I've got this planner that I use every single day and I plan religiously, Hmm. non-negotiable every single morning and every single night. So when I come in tomorrow morning, we're, we're recording this on a Monday. When I come in on Tuesday morning, like I don't have to think about what's going to be done. It's already written down. Like I've already got it documented in here Yeah. and I'm just hitting the ground running. Now, some things might change. Right. I might get an email that needs to be addressed or maybe somebody needs to bump their schedule around. Or like I did with you guys, I'm like, Hey, I got to meet 20 minutes later than I said, yeah. you know, so you can adjust, but it doesn't keep, it doesn't force you to, to restart every single day. It's seamless. You just keep moving along yeah. uh, as you go. Now, Ryan, does that, Dude, sorry, go I'm, ahead. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to run with this Daniel. Jump. So hold on to that one. <laughs> I was, uh, I was doing the same. I think. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're listening to Daniel. I talked before you jumped on because we were talking about the yeah. the need to continue momentum, and we were talking specifically around writing for for me in particular. And I I try to do the same thing. I try to leave some to leave some reserve in the tank, so I know where I'm going, and it and it's carrying me. But the but really what I, and so I just want to affirm that that's awesome. Thank you for saying that because it keeps me on the path. Yeah. But what was really what I was really kind of excited about is we asked ourselves on air. Like, what are we looking for? You know, cutting for sign. What, what's the clue, right? And, and I said, I, I am realizing how much more planning and structure I need in my life. And I've got a lot, mm. but, I, but my brain needs even more. <laughs> and I saw you pick up your, 
your your planner. I have one too. And I do it every morning, but I don't do it every night. Yeah. And do and it I, every night. And man. some days, dude, I can spin <laughs> out for a couple hours in the morning and it feels completely wasted. So could you talk a little bit about like how you came up with that? Is it your system? Is it someone else's? Is it just you figured it out ad hoc over time? Like I'd love, I'd love to hear what you do, man. It's, it's my system now. Like, I don't, I don't know where I got it from. I don't, I don't know. I I probably didn't learn it from one individual, but to say that I created it entirely myself would definitely be a lie. You know, I, I, I looked at what other people were doing. We've had 300 and I think 20 or so guests on the podcast. Like, what are they doing? How are they being successful? And, and so over, you know, this is a planner I've been using now for about seven years Mm. through the culmination of work and what's worked and what hasn't, and it's not perfect. And the people that use it, I think they get value from it. And other people are like, this is stupid, right? Because you got to find something that works for you. So I don't, I don't make any qualms about that. But what, what I do is I'll, I'll write out my entire list of things that need to get done. And then I'll just leave a blank, you know, like a empty checkbox Hmm. right by it. Yeah. And then when I start the thing, I just put one dash through it, you know? So for example, if I need to call somebody, I'll put just one diagonal dash through it. When I get a hold of that person and that task is complete, then I'll put the other diagonal dash and and exit out. That's crafty. Yeah, that's good. So I know that the things go ahead. Well, just, just a side note to that. I don't want to interrupt. I have noticed that with, I'm a list guy, a lot of times one thing will lead I'll start it, but I didn't finish it, but I kind of want credit for starting that fucking thing on my for list. Sure. And also I want to, <laughs> I want to see yeah. something so I don't keep going back to it and thinking I need to do it. So thank you. That's a nice little, little trick. I like that. It, it is. I mean, it's look, it's important to give yourself wins and it's important to know that, you know, I couldn't get that thing done, but you know, I did my part. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of external circumstances beyond our control. Like if I don't yeah. call you guys, you know, I can call now, whether you pick up, that's, that's on your end. I, I can't do anything about that. <laughs> I learned recently right? that list makers, it's a dopamine. I'm sure you know this, but it's, it's a dopamine hit when you check something off the list. I love, I love Completely. learning that. Yeah. And then when you look literal- at your entire list and oh. know that you started it and or finished it, that's a pretty rewarding experience. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you, so. do you plan your month out before you start a month or your week? I, so I plan in 90 day segments hmm. and, and that's what I've been teaching the guys that we work with. So yeah. we hit four main uh, categories of life. And I say, I want you to come up with an objective in each one of these categories. And then I want you to backtrack into a daily tactic that you can complete on, on a daily basis yeah. that will inevitably lead you to your result. Now there's, there's, so that, that's what we call our, our 12 week battle planning system. But then there's other things that need to get done on a daily basis that don't always correlate to getting those things done. Yeah. And those are just, you know, your to-do items, like making a phone call yeah. or putting out a fire. Maybe a little fire comes up and you got to you gotta make a couple of calls or, or talk with a couple of people, you know. So th- those are different than what, you're, what we call tactics, which is leading you to your objectives that you're yeah. trying to accomplish. Yeah. yeah. That's excellent, man. Appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. Got what I came for. Yeah, a good, a good, Done. strong log. Let's wrap game. it up. <laughs> I think a long, a strong log journaling situation is. I love that there's so many iterations of them out right now. You know, and I do think that it's important to empower. What was important for me to not think that every 
log or journal situation that was being sold was the way to do it. I ended up having to take about four or five years of crafting my own, you know, and literally ruler on a piece of paper and, you know, making, it was a game changer for me to finally find a, a journal that had removable pages so I could move pages out and stick them in different orders so I could let the areas of my life that I wanted to prioritize come to be the first pages that were there. That shouldn't be a big deal, but it was for me. Okay, cool. Got that piece in place. And then several yeah. iterations of accountability and habit tracking that, you know, those don't really work. Oh, this works. And now it's just like, man, it's such a huge tool. Ryan, I know yeah, that I mean, you've got to create something that works well for you. You know, that should be yeah, any facet totally. of life, right? Is, is yeah. take it. That's why when you guys said, is that yours? I'm like, yeah, it is. It's mine because yeah. I took yeah, it from wherever you. it came from and I made totally. it my own. Yeah. Just like you should with anything. Yeah, that's solid. That's super solid. You're a super active guy. You roll, what, five days a week still? You doing that? Yeah, yeah, four to five days a week. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. And I'm sure you're training in there too and all that stuff. Tell me about what you do for your brain. Like, do you have any kind Good of question. meditation or any kind of journaling or any other place where, where there is nothing going on? And it allows your brain to defrag, allows your brain to like just process whatever it needs to process. Some people do that on long runs. Some people do it in the sauna. You know, a lot of us have that kind of those like moments in the shower where we, our brain finally dawns on us what's going on. And, yeah. and we get those little downloads. I found a lot of value in the practice of everything I just said in a, in a 15 to 30 minutes, sometimes an hour long daily, every single day has to happen non-negotiable time what and that's for me right i can't say that's prescriptive to everybody i don't know if that it, sure. it is for everybody but what for you what do you do for your brain what do you do for your conscious and subconscious coming together well i mean it's been the writing up to this point because a couple hmm. of weeks ago i finished up the book so even just being able to write and yeah. jot down my thoughts and and flesh through these ideas that's been therapeutic for me outside of that every single morning that's part of my daily planning is visualization so mm -hmm. I come in here, I sit down. The first thing I do is like, what's today going to go like? What do, mm -hmm. what do I want to do? What mm -hmm. do I want to accomplish? How do I want? Even more importantly than that is like, how do I want to feel yeah. at the end of the day? There's a good question by Gary Keller in his book, The One Thing. Huh. He's like, so have you guys read that book? No, no, really? but I'm writing oh, it down. I love that book. So he the the whole premise of the book is basically – What's, what's the one thing that you could do today that you would either, you know, consider a success or would render everything else unnecessary? Hmm. Huh. So at the end of the day, if there was one thing you did today, whether yeah. it was this podcast or yeah. wrote your 1000 words yeah. or secured a new pot, like what's the one thing that if you just tapped out today, it would still be a success for you? Yeah, that's a great question. That's, That's a cool question Yeah, because we can't do that. everything. There's like so much to do. And so what it does is it helps us to prioritize what's going to move the needle the most efficiently for us. It reminds me a little bit of this habit that I started doing about two years ago. And I just called it a crush it list because I was getting really frustrated with having things on old lists, big lists, like life lists that weren't done. And some of the things on these lists were not huge tasks. You know, they weren't all write a book, you know? And, and so I was like, fuck this. I was starting to get really mad. And I wrote this list and I put on everything that I could do in one day 
that I'd been putting off. Mm. And I just said, I woke up in the morning and I was like, today's going to be miserable because I'm going to do stuff all day long that I don't want to do. Now, first of all, I was wrong about that. It was one of the best days of my life. And those days have since been the best Mm -hmm. days of my life because every single time you do one of those things, it's miserable for about 10 minutes and then you're in it and you're Mm. exhilarated and then you're done. And that's even more exhilarating. And then you do confront the next one. I don't want to do this, especially now that you feel good from doing the last one. You're like, Mm -hmm. fuck it. Today's a good day. Nope. This is a crush day. And I would smash that fucking list, man. And dude, those, it were like warp days. They would move my life forward Mm -hmm. exponentially more than any grinding that I would do. And so I have since incorporated them into once a week. And a funny little story, I was telling a friend of mine about that. This is about two years ago. And I, and I was excited about it. And I was like, God, I wish I could just do one of those every day or maybe even once a week. And he was like, oh, you can't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, and I kind of nodded, ha yeah, yeah, you're right. And then I was thinking about it the next week. So I was like, why not? You know, why not? Right. Why can't I have a crush yeah. hour instead of it being my whole day? You know, and I started breaking it down. And now I have this tool that at any point I'm feeling depressed or something like that. I'm like, oh, I know why it's because I'm putting things off that I need to do oh, and yeah. then smash yeah. that shit. And it's, yeah. it's been a game changer, man. Well, I, I tell when we go through our planning stuff with our guys, I tell them there's really two ways to approach your, your planning for the day. And then I'll, I'll get back to that question about yeah. that, that time, but, and you really have to know yourself to decide which, which way you should choose. And we change from day to day. So the two ways, the two ways you can, you can tackle your to-do list are to either do the easiest thing first or the hardest thing first. <laughs> like th- those are the two ways. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're feeling like you're down and you know, maybe you're lacking energy and you don't have any enthusiasm, then what I would say is do the easiest thing first. Right. Just get some X's on there. <laughs> yep. Just get some X's. Like you said, dopamine, you know, get a win, you you start building up some momentum, but then there's other days you wake up and you're like, hell yeah. Like I'm on a roll. Like I'm ready to go. I'm feeling good. I slept good. Maybe I, you know, had sex with my wife last night. Like things are awesome right now. (laughs) And, and then in that case, you do the hardest thing first and because you have the energy to do it. And we know scientifically that your willpower is fleeting throughout the day. So you're going to deplete that as you go. So uh, you have to decide, you know, for yourself, what's going to work, but either one is, is good. You know, whatever's going to move the needle, that's what you should do. Yeah. yeah. But to go back to, well, actually there's one other, th- I, I'm taking notes as you guys are writing. So yeah, cool. you guys were talking about the efficiency, like the crush day is what you're saying. Yeah. So Tim Ferriss introduced me to this concept and I'll probably butcher it. Cause I've, I've tweaked it a little bit and thought a lot about it. You know, one thing he talks about is like maximum efficiency and, and how, you, you, you can get a lot more done than you think you can. And so one of the questions that bounces around in my brain is you take a task that you might think is going to last you or take you five hours. And you're like, what if I got this done in two hours? Hmm. Hmm. Nice. You know, what, what would I need to do in order to get that thing done yeah. in two hours? And yeah. so when, when, before I started order of man, I was doing financial planning and I made a decision towards the latter stages of, of owning my financial planning practice that I was going to take Friday afternoon off at two in the afternoon. So I'd cut three hours out of Friday. 
And I, I was thinking, well, you know, my, 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 my work on Friday is going to suffer and Fridays aren't going to be super productive, but that's okay because, you know, we've built our practice and I can be home with the family and I can extend my weekend. Like, this is good. This is a good thing. And I was willing to make that trade. So I made the trade and I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it too. So I started leaving it too, closing up the shop in the office at two o'clock on Friday afternoon, knowing that my production was going to go down. Well, actually the exact opposite happened. My Friday production improved. It increased. I'm like, how, like, how, like, wait, what, how, how can this be? I, I just cut out, you know, 30%, 40% of my day and my production is going up. Right. Because we waste so much time throughout the day. And I can't remember what principle it is, but your production is allotted towards the time allowed. Yeah. So if you give yourselves eight hours to do something, it's going to take you eight hours to do yeah, it. That's right. That's I tease right. my wife about this with Christmas because I'm like, hey, look, she's like, I'm done with Christmas shopping. Like, no, you're done with Christmas shopping on Christmas morning when it's Christmas. <laughs> so if you start two months early, all it means is you're going to spend more money. If you start two weeks before Christmas, you're going to spend less money, but it's going to be done on the same time frame. And so if you have two hours to do something, you're going to get it done because that's all you have to do it. So that time crunching or collapsing is a really valuable strategy too. Dude, it's it. And it also speaks, and I'm going to, I'm talking a lot about ADD because I'm, it's, it's new to me in the sense that I'm finally able to edge. I finally found the education around it and, and, and tactics and things like that. And one of the things that an ADD brain thrives off of is a sense of urgency. Like there's something mm-hmm. that comes online in our brain when it's like, Hey dude, you got to get this shit done now. And, and I found the same thing. Like when, when there is a, when there is an imminent deadline that needs to happen, it is a drop dead moment. You know, it's pass fail at that moment. It, it, ha- it gets done. Like there's nothing that yeah, doesn't get, get like done. forgotten about. And, right. and that's, I've given myself those kinds of things too. Like if I can give myself this little, let's do it right then and there, it all, it always goes through. The other thing that I, man, it just seems so silly how simple it is. The way you phrased it was, how do I want to feel at the end of the day? Yeah. And my, my wife and I used to teach a, a intimacy marriage course. It's how we started our business romance and adventure six years ago. And <laughs> one of the things I had asked her in the early days of our marriage was, we woke up one morning, it was like a Saturday or Sunday, I can't remember. And I, and I said to her, what do I need to do today, starting from this moment on, so that I know we're going to have sex tonight? And, and she laughed at me and she started like question. rattling off the most mundane things you could possibly <laughs> imagine in the house. You know, she's like, the bills need to be paid. The house needs to be clean. You know, the kids need to be da da da. Like it was just like real, real normal practical things i started calling that stuff all day foreplay because i realized like the more we can get those things that are taking up the bandwidth and are back in the back of our minds that we don't we're not even aware how much restraint it's putting on certain things in our life like intimacy Mm -hmm. and marriage and just smacking that out getting it done how much more freedom it allows other things to come up you know the woodland creature of desire within marriage everything's got to be still <laughs> yeah. the conditions need to be right for the, the wild animal to, <laughs> to appear. <laughs> but that well, but it made so, me think of, it made me think of how do I want to finish the day? And I, I'm, I'm like, that's, it's funny that I've had that one framework over there, but not for myself for a long time, like if I'm honest. So it got me, yeah. dude. Appreciate that. 
Well, so I, so I, I'm, I might take a little bit counter to that, to that position you said about your wife. Cause I think what, and, and I'll tell you why, because I think and that, was guys, then, that was six years ago in no, that I get day it. on that day, you know? Yeah. And I get where you're coming from. I just want to put this word of caution because I I've seen it in so many men, they'll make themselves a whipping boy oh, in order totally. to get laid. Oh, big right? time. Yeah. So, so what, I, what I would say is maybe to put that on its head a little bit, same, same outcome, but what, what can I do? What kind of man do I need to be where she can't keep her hands off me? Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Or, Cause I, I started asking myself the same question yeah. a few years ago. Like that's a difference. What would I, yeah. what would I need to be in order to be irresistible? That's, that's cool. right. Yeah. That's right. That's cause... better than saying, Hey, what, what, what would I need to do in order to get lucky tonight? Cause then yeah. she'll just give you her honey <laughs> like, list, huh. and you'll be fixing the toilet and painting the bathroom and yeah, yeah. You know, doing and all if, the bullshit. Totally. And, and I, I grew up in a, a religious culture where I was told you need to let go of all your identity and serve others. And, and there is some value. There's a lot of value in serving others, but not to the impact of your own identity in your own self, which I'll be frank, I did. I lost. Yeah, a I think a lot of us have. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm glad you're bringing that up because it's so easy to lose ourselves and others because we think somehow, whether it's getting laid or, or, or some word that they may say that something will do something that will, that they will cause them to affirm us into wholeness. And that is a lie. <laughs> that is well. And Ryan's point is definitely sure. taken, and I know you take it yeah. also. And I'm not saying you're saying the opposite of this, Ryan. No. But like Morgan, Ron's wife. wife, I know she, I know her well enough to know, and your relationship to know that she was answering the question of those things actually arouse me. Like you know what I mean? I yeah, 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 yeah. She, I, she I, wasn't I think doing... I feel the subtlety in all this. Like I'm, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I think well, I mean I think I, Ryan's I like actually calling out a, a strong and needed uh, warning to men like, hey, yeah. like it, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, because here's what a lot of guys do they 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 throw themselves on the altar of service. Yeah, right. And mm. and so Done they think, that. well, they they're gonna they're gonna slit their own throat to serve other people. And while you may have served one person temporarily by doing that imagine what it would look like if you instead of throwing yourself on the altar of sacrifice decided that you're going to take care of yourself to the maximum yep not to the extreme not to sacrifice other people but to the maximum how many more people can be served by you doing that you know if i if i if i bust my ass all day every day and i just wear myself down because i tell myself well I'm, you know i'm serving my wife and kids man, I'm going to burn up and burn out. But if on the other hand, I learn to take care of myself, I go to jujitsu, I eat what I'm supposed to be eating. I read good books. I put good information in my head. I, I visualize, I do goal setting. Like we were talking about earlier, man, I can serve them so much better and so much longer because I'm able, it's the old adage of, you know, putting it, it's, it's trite at this point, but you know, putting your, your face mask on before you put other people's face yeah, mask on. That's totally. what we're talking about here. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. What were you about we're, to say, Daniel? Well, I, it's a it's a bit of a pivot, but I I, I think we've got about mm. 20, 20, 25 left. And I, part of me wants to avoid this topic, but I also want to dive into it. And I'm curious, I was listening, it's, it's around the term toxic masculinity. 
And I was listening to some of your content, Ryan, around that term. And I liked that you had some firm opinions and a take on it. And I would just like to explore that take if you're up for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably what you're referring to is that I despise that term and I don't use that, that was term. part of the take for sure. And I think that those who use it for the most part, not exclusively, but for the most part have malicious intent around how they're mm. using that word. I don't think everybody or that phrase, I don't think everybody feels that way, but I think it's a word or a phrase that is easily manipulated to achieve an objective, which is to undermine masculinity. Hmm. That's what I think. A lot of times I have a feeling about something before I understand why I have that feeling. And I've mm -hmm. called this mm -hmm. thing, my intuition, and it's not just feeling it's, it's past understandings, educations, decisions, beliefs, emotion, literal education, intellectual, all equaling, you know, a, a sense of something. And I, my sense of that word is just been, I just don't like this term and I don't really know why. And so I've been trying to put some articulation around that. And what I've come up with at this stage is essentially when someone uses the term toxic masculinity, they are talking about a set of, of a set of behaviors that are not healthy for people. And to have that term end up being connected to men so strongly, hmm. I think is, is non sequitur. It doesn't make sense. And, and then that equals, which I, agree with your take on it. I don't think this is a good term. I don't think it's people saying what they really mean. And so looking up and deciding what we're really trying to say when we use that term, I think is important. And I'm curious if you've ever hmm. considered that or, or if that's yeah. around. I, I think a lot about this. You know, most of my day is consumed with thinking about masculinity and <laughs> have and you ever considered as it should. <laughs> yeah. As I'll draw so, it as your job. Right. So it's not only my job. It's like, I'm trying to become a more effective man. Like this is yeah. my life. You know, yeah. this is what I want to become. Okay. So in, in order to debate a, a, a topic, you need to see both sides of it. Like you don't have to agree with both sides, but you certainly need to be able to see both sides. Otherwise you can't debate intelligently about it. So I've been thinking about it and I've had a hardline stance about the term toxic masculinity and why I despise it. Okay. If I'm being honest, I see what other people are saying. I, I understand what they're saying. Yeah. If you're using masculine traits, which I think we would all agree could be uh, aggression, yeah, dominance, competitiveness, the propensity for violence. I think we could all agree that those are generally those. Not even those are masculine traits. Okay. And if you're using those traits to hurt or harm or exploit or take advantage of other people, then yeah, that's an issue. I have an issue with that. Is that toxic? I guess if you're using it in that phrase, sure, I, I can agree with that. I don't think everybody is. Okay, so I've been thinking about this a lot, Lee. And in order to illustrate my point about this, it's best to work in frameworks. So here's my thought. We have three different terms that are kind of like thrown around interchangeably and nobody really knows what they mean. And that this is why language is important so we can know what we're talking about. So there's the term male, there's the term masculine, and there's the term man or manly or manliness. 
those are, those are synonymous. So here's my framework. You have a male. Okay. A male is a biological male. Like there's the male uh, version of the species and a female version as homo sapiens, you're either male or female. Now, some people say, what about intersex? Okay. Well, that's a biological anomaly that doesn't equal a third sex or a third gender. It's male or female. And anything that falls outside of that is an anomaly. It's, it's a mistake. It's not normal. Okay. But there's male and there's female. It's only biology. It's chromosomes, it's DNA, it's your biological makeup. Next, we have masculinity. Masculinity is a set of characteristics that we attribute to males, biological males, because it's ingrained into us via the way that we've been created and or evolved, however you want to look at it. But competitiveness, men are bigger, we're stronger, we're more aggressive, we're more dominant, we're more competitive. These are masculine traits, and that is masculinity. Now, here's the interesting thing. Masculinity is amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It just is. It's not toxic. It's not amazing. It's not God's gift to whatever. Like, it's just masculinity. That's it. And this is where everybody else gets it wrong. And when I say everybody else, I'm talking like everybody else. They either think masculinity is toxic or masculinity is amazing. It's the most wonderful thing. It's not. What defines a man is how he uses his masculinity. It's how we harness our ability to be violent, our ability to be aggressive, our ability to be competitive, our ability to be dominant. And if we're using that for productive outcomes for ourselves and other people, then we are acting as men. Now we're being manly. So there's a difference between male, masculinity, and manliness. And that's the difference how we're utilizing our masculine characteristics. For example, when my oldest son, who's 13 years old, doesn't get what he wants, he, he, he's, he's got the testosterone coursing through his veins now. He's hitting puberty. Like the, he's, he's exhibiting masculine behavior, characteristics. But he's not acting like a man most of the time because he gets mad or he punches his brother. Like he's using it in non-productive ways. It's my job to help him harness that masculinity for productive outcomes so he can turn himself from a boy to a man. I actually prefer the term immature more than I prefer toxic masculinity because mm -hmm. yeah. there's a level of immaturity in how yeah. a lot of men are using their masculinity. I think it's a the good only, differentiation. I do. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's really uh, cool to hear someone who has a lot of clarity in their words and has thought a lot about these words and made decisions about what each means and then distinct and then can say that's that's the good work in my opinion one thing I'd, I'd probably be remiss if i didn't take a small issue with it and i'm curious what you think if we teased it out a little bit more is it sounds a little harsh and potentially not true to call intersex a mistake is that is that something that you would stand stand by yeah i would and here's why whether you're a creationist or an evolutionist let, let's take uh evolution what is the function of a of a species you're saying to reproduce is there any other function outside of that to evolve and re and reproduce so that's a that's an anomaly look if if mistake is the word that you don't 
that, you know, that's the word that you're, you're hung up on, not you personally, but people might hear and take issue with, I mean, use a different word, but I, I think we can all agree that that's an anomaly that is outside of the normal, like it, like that, there's no other way to say it, you know, it, so, it's rare. It seems to be pretty rare. And I it hear you. Is I, rare. I think that when you said that, is there any other, is there any other purpose than for a species than to reproduce and evolve, you added evolve on there. And I, it seems to me that, that evolution beyond physical, our, our mental cognitive you know, dare I say spiritual, that's a pretty vague term I usually stay away from, but evolving in the mysterious way that is connected to, you know, the cosmos, people call that spirituality. You know, I think that all of the people who are born and however they're born seem to help that, you know, evolution too. But I I just, I think I was getting a little hung up on the word mistake because that implies that there's something wrong with that, which I think I mean a little harsh. Look, yes, I and I see what you're saying, and and I'll and I'll I'll nod to that, you know. And so when I say that, let me let me be very clear on that. I'm not dismissing a human being's worth. Yeah. Okay. So if you have a, a if you have an individual who's intersex, and and it is very rare, but let's say you do. I appreciate that you know that term because not a lot of people do, as I understand well, it. Look, I'm not going to dismiss that per that 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 person as a human being. Yeah. As somebody who has worth to offer. When I say mistake, like even if you take it just from the evolutionary standpoint, that is a, that is that is outside of the norm. That isn't within the standard operating system. That's what I'm saying when I say mistake. I'm saying that's a biological anomaly, meaning it's not supposed to happen. It does, right? It does. But that that's yeah. the point that I'm making when I no, say that. No, I appreciate I, I heard and thanks for addressing that. You know, I this is one of the reasons that I I it's it's a triggering term, you know, toxic mas- masculinity, and I just think it's it's triggering like a lot of or inflaming of emotions. A, a lot of a lot of words are doing that because these words are pretty clunky, and they also can mean different things to different people. And so I find a lot of value in in deciphering what they mean. Curious what you mean. Curious what you what do I mean by that? And then oh maybe when I say the word toxic masculine masculine when I think about that. I know what people are referring to. I know what I want to refer to. Maybe I can take three or four other words and put them in that that term's place that is a little bit more clear about what we're really talking about. What do you think, Ron? For me, I can't speak for anybody else. I want to speak for other people, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) For me, I was just thinking about that phrase, toxic masculinity, and trying to think about like when did I when did I hear that? What did I think about it? What do I still think about it? Like what comes up for me in my mind? And I mean, quite honestly, what comes up for me in my mind is is my dad, and 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 it was a person who was violent, who was racist, who was uh, misogynist, who was uh, a liar, cheated on all of his wives, was married eight times. Is he the definition of toxic masculinity? In my brain, he is. You know, there are, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, what are, like, what are we carrying to the conversation? But then in Ryan's terms, if I understand yeah. them correctly, yeah, yeah. that would be someone who's male, has masculinity, a lot of it, and is not being manly. Yeah, yeah. And he was Correct. not being manly in, the, in that that's situation. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And, and that's the point. Look, so let's, let's take a couple of those scenarios. He cheated. Well, women cheat. 
he was a racist. Well, some women are racist. Like those, those, those some of those things you're saying now violence. Okay. That that's a little different. Cause that's generally, yeah. you're going to see that more in men than, than you are. Like, if you look at crime statistics and crime rates, the majority totally. of violent crime is committed by men. So that's, yeah. that's a, more of a masculine characteristic, but some of the other characteristics aren't, aren't toxic masculinity. Is it toxic behavior? Sure. Yeah. Cheating on somebody being disloyal, thinking that somebody else is less than you because of immutable characteristics. Yeah. That's horrible behavior, but that isn't masculine. Yeah. Ma- excuse me. Masculinity. Yeah. It's maybe so easy to, sure, to, maybe, to yeah. uh, mistake. I mean, I was just, I was thinking, I loved what you you said about immaturity because it's, it would, it would be more accurate to say he was immature in a lot of his life rather than blanketly well, saying he was you know, a toxic masculine person. <laughs> right. And, de- and definitely and let's take racism, for example. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, 300 years ago, every single human being on the planet was racist. Okay. 300 years ago. That's not that long ago, but we've matured, <laughs> right? Like we understand that just because of the, 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 the color of somebody's skin doesn't make them inferior or, or non-human, but we've matured. Like it's a, it's a mature level of thinking. It's an evolved level of mm. thinking, right? So I, yeah, we gotta be careful of lumping all these things in as just being toxic masculine. Are there men who are acting in inappropriate ways? Yes, is it toxic masculinity? I don't know, it depends on what it is you're talking about. If you're yeah. talking about being disloyal, well, I know plenty of women who have been disloyal. Women tend to show it differently than men. You know, men might be more prone to get into a physical altercation. Women might be more prone to be manipulative, but it's still the same, you know, the same yeah. deal. Selfish, just different strategies. Yeah. 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 Just right. taking, having one term that's, that's inherently pointing toward men and then putting all of these characteristics in it. It's yeah. just not, it's just doesn't work, you know, and it's inflaming a, what seems to be a divisiveness or at least a conflict and friction between between generally men and women or more male people and more feminine women it's just it's got it needs some work (laughs) and and (laughs) And, i think it also makes our maleness an immediate handicap in the eyes of the other right because if we have design if we have design yeah i mean oh you mean with the phrase like when they came up with the phrase that's the point yeah the whole point and people will say well no no ryan nobody's talking about that really why don't you go look at the American Psychological Association's quasi-study on the fact that dominance, competitiveness, aggression, and stoicism, what they consider masculine characteristics, are inherently dangerous and destructive to young boys. Hmm. Yeah, that's See, that's the yeah. American Psychological Association. That's the association, the work they do is largely responsible for the way that we treat our young children. In society, whether or not we treat them, how we treat them, medication, all of uh, all of this prescriptions, all of this kind of stuff. And the American Psychological Association is saying that those characteristics are inherently destructive and damaging to our young boys. That's yeah. a problem. And those are four things that you listed that could be super strengths. The, yeah. Stoicism in the right person, in the right expressed in a way that it, that can be so helpful to the person, to the people around them. You know, those, those are all, like you said, those are neutral 
qualities that can go one way or another to varying extents in one way or another, you know, that's, right. I, that's, that's tough to hear. Anyways, I, I, I know we're kind of getting close, you know, and I don't want to take it too long, but I, I really, really appreciate you addressing that situation with us. We, on this um, podcast, we've spoken to a lot of women. We've spoken to a lot of men. We have spoken, I think we've done a pretty good job of addressing masculinity, femininity, and it's been challenging to talk about. And with someone like yourself, I really admire how you've, we were talking earlier before you jumped on. It seems like you've really picked a lane. You know your lane, you know who you are. You're refining that, you're voicing that. That is a value of mine. I know it's a value of Ronald's. And to see someone being very clear and have a good heart around this, but be very clear, you know, that is a really attractive and I, it's, I value that a lot. And thank you at the same, at the same time to be able to talk about something like masculinity and terms like toxic masculinity with nuance and with forethought and where the heart is still leading that, you know, you know, that's even more of a value. And I think that that's the good work. And I hope I'm glad you're doing it. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, I have a question for you guys. Yeah. So cutting for sign, like I know that because I spent some time with, with hunters and border patrol agents when they're looking for, you know, they're driving down the road and they're looking yeah. for sign, whether it's where human activity or animal activity. So like, where does, where does cutting for sign, where does that come from? Same place. <laughs> okay. But, but, but yeah. do you guys have experience a, in that a, or, or, I mean, I, I grew up as an outdoorsman. I was an archer as a young man. Okay. I'm an archer again, you know, plenty of hunting seasons in my life. Ron's got a really, really good shot. <laughs> seen him shoot. It's awesome. it's pretty- um, you know, I'm a member of my local, you know, archery club and all that stuff. I, it's a metaphor for me, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more poetic in the masculine world. And I think of, I think of my journey as uh, through metaphor quite a bit. And, and I'm hunting me, I'm looking for the best version of me and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm as hot on his tails as I've ever been in my life right now. And this, this is a self-serving podcast for me (laughs) because I, you know, obviously my dad's example was not fantastic. And, you know, my stepdad was a, a closeted homosexual who thought by bearing my mother, he would somehow get fixed. And eight years of their 15 years marriage, 15 year marriage, he was living a double life. So I had poor examples of how to be authentic and responsible. And I've had to do a lot of parenting to myself and a lot of hunting for the kind of character and the kind of person I want to be. And the tough thing is, man, and this is a mistake I made big time, was the opposite of the North Pole is the South Pole. You go from one cold and shitty place to another cold and shitty place. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought if I could be the opposite, you really challenged me with the idea of toxic masculinity because, and I, and I won't get into, cause I know you've got time here, but I thought, man, if I could just be the opposite, whoop, I'm going to be okay. But instead I completely lost all those values, those things that you named by the uh, psychological American you know, association. I did, I had, I, I was 30 something years old before I realized I had to really start to find those things hone those things, work on those things. And so this, this last, you know, season seven, eight years of my life has been, yeah, eight years, really maybe a bit longer is reclaiming those things in my life 
And I do that through conversations, through things I read, through things I listen to, through, you know, through taking care of myself. And, and it's the path, man. It's, it's, I'm hunting every day, every moment I'm hunting. Yeah. Ryan, looking for that better version of myself. When we, when we wanted to start this, Ron came up with that name pretty quickly. And it was, it was us wanting to talk to people who had cut for sign in their life, who had yeah. followed the meaningful things and become a more, a better version. And then as we, but we kept questioning, what does this mean? What is this how we like this? This feels good. And then what happened was we ended up, we ended up finding ourselves more little missing pieces, you know, that little twig that gets you a little more on the right track. You know, we would find that more and more through the people we would talk to talk with have have on and then we started to realize oh we're cutting for sign on this show like we're we're yeah. this is the best way this is one of the best ways to do it and then that infected the rest of our life more and now ron and i talk about cut for sign we'll mention that term 10 times a day in our communications you know i'll be like yeah i was cutting for sign earlier today when i had this conversation i realized yep little blind spot just got a little more light on it you know i i got a little whiff yep that's where i need to go and so not to say we're a feather for every wind that blows, you know, I'm not looking for, I'm not looking from something for you that I'm missing. I, it's just, but it's something that is a little bit toward that, you know, in a really, what feels like a healthy way. I don't go then, I don't now then talk, we don't now then talk to someone who has an opposite opinion of you and then go, oh yeah, no, that's, that's what I really, you know, that, that's not what we're talking about. There's a narrowing and a heightened sense of pursuit that has happened over the last year in the 51 episodes we've done now, and we're on to something. And that something independent of each other has been a just more fully expressed, owned version of ourselves. I love it, man. I love it. That's awesome. I, you know, I was going to say something, uh, Ron, about when you're when you're talking about being a poet, hmm. and and I think a lot of the times, you know, there's certain things that we would we would say are are like not masculine, you know, and, yeah. it, and it typically revolves around the arts is what I found, whether yeah. it's, you know, yeah. poetry or painting, you guys are talking about earlier yeah. or cooking, you know, like I've heard guys say, well, you know, cooking is not masculine. This got nothing to do with masculinity. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, being a man. So here's how I define it. Being a man is being able to protect, provide and preside for yourself and the people you love and even people that can't do it for themselves. Yeah. And so I know artists, I know musicians, I know painters, I know professional cooks, things that people would say, are you know, that's not masculine, that are more manly than so many of these others that complain about it, because they're the ones putting food on the table, they're the ones providing, they're the ones shining light, they're the ones serving their communities and serving their families. And so, I, you know, I always want to put that out there because I always get the question of like, I had this guy the other day reach out and he's like, hey, Ryan, you know, I really want to learn how to cook and, and I really like it and I enjoy it. But, you know, I'm worried it's not a masculine behavior mm. or, or a manly mm. thing to do. I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. Like, like cooking isn't gendered. <laughs> Painting isn't gendered. <laughs> Poetry isn't gendered. Like it's a matter of protecting, providing and presiding. That's what makes you a man. However you decide to do it. Yeah. And thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate that. you, Ryan. Appreciate yeah, it, man. guys. Great conversation today. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, man. Take care, okay? All right. Guild dressing. 
Hey, Ryan Mickler was on. That was fun, dude. That was an interesting conversation. Yeah. How so? I, th you know, I was thinking about how I differentiate from him over my approach to masculinity. And I loved his, I loved his, like how he was able to articulate around maleness or male masculinity. I'm going to kind of mess this up here. And, um, manliness, manliness. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, and I appreciate his, like you said at the very beginning and a couple of times his lane, like he is like strongly in that lane. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that. I know that for me, I am, I, I have so, because this is just my personality more than anything else. Like I, I am into paradox. I am into nuance. I am into like all the notes going on in between the melody of a piece. And, and so I, it like, I tend not to get too excited about the culture that is kind of organizing around the way he teaches. And I don't want to say his culture. Yeah. There's kind of a, a, a larger Western one. And I've, and, but I've also realized that there's a lot of value, man. Like he was, he was giving me a ton of value. And, and I know that it's my own immaturity, which is really my resentment towards my dad and the culture I grew up with that just says, if it looks like that, smells like that, then there can't be any value over there. Yeah. And that's simply not the case. So yeah, look at his eyes, yeah. look at his body language. He cares a lot about people. He really does. He, he cares about, like I was thinking about this too, is that he, look, if you find something that saves your life and provides for you, like, mm. and, and creates a better life for you, you're going to do it and you're yeah. going to protect it and you're going to honor it. And he's doing that. Yeah. 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 It's, I think it's, we all, we all, you know, I, I need to understand and have started to more and more that just because someone's message isn't you know packaged in a way and yeah. all the words aren't said what are they trying to do what's their intention and you usually i usually get that through their tone of voice some of the topics that they're willing to go into yeah how they respond to questions body language you know all of it and you know we've had people on here where i'm like oh i don't know how much they are really trying to help other people and mm. to be honest i don't know the extent to which i'm trying to help other people mm. you know mm. but i can tell i think i can tell with with him yeah with you you know you guys care a lot about people and you you want you want the best for the people around you and i think that he is helping a group of people probably a growing group of people yeah be better humans yeah and certainly it's very easy if his message doesn't fit your style if his words and some of the things he says seem straight up counter and 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 violent it's very easy to go he cancel it you know he's 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 sure. awful and it's like pump the brakes man like he's trying and he's doing a good job he's doing you know? a great job i mean there's the whole thing to it like like he's he's doing a lot of deep work i don't want to discount how how big or deep it is yeah. And <clears throat> there's things that he said that I, I find pretty harsh, you know, like calling people who are intersex a mistake. I would never do that. And I, yeah. I think people would be pretty damn offended by that. And to be honest, rightly so. Yeah. yeah but he also, sure. you know, you ask him to tease that one out a little bit and he's like, yeah, I hear you. That's not yeah. the best word. You know, yeah, I meant yeah. this. And then there's other people who would say the word anomaly would be too much and they'd be offended by that. Yeah. And if you, if I just feel like, listen, the guy's willing to talk, He's choosing his lane. He's getting better. Like mm -hmm. this guy's not your enemy, you know? Yeah. 
and I think that this person's my enemy ethos or, you know, habit, hair trigger way to, to respond to someone is, it's overused and it's, it's causing problems, you know, like look in someone's eyes and be like, would this yeah. person save my ass if I was in trouble? And if yeah. the answer is not a no, then they're not your enemy. Yeah. Then have yeah. a conversation and work some terminology out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. We, we covered some good stuff and I was really, I'm challenged by a couple of things he said in a great way. One yeah. was because I came, you know, came into the conversation knowing I'm looking for more structure in my life. Yeah. He's Dude, got that. that. Was, I mean, come on, man. Like that fact that I called that out, I said, I'm looking for it. And then, and then, it, you know, that, that was spelled out really well. I mean, that felt awesome. Yeah, and so his his like doing it in the morning and the night. I mean, that's the challenge for me is like, don't let my head hit the pillow till I know what's going on the next day. I want to waste man. my day. Yeah, and then visualizing how he wants to feel by the end of the day. Yeah, that that was great because I I often let the wet the tail wag the dog on how I end up feeling based on did I get my list done or not, and and if I if I think like well if if I want to like fall asleep feeling great and accomplished and you know fill in the blank with whatever other feelings i want then what would that in the back that out that was great that was really really yeah. great yeah yeah he's got his shit together it's it's pretty awesome to he see. sure does yeah you know and even when i i feel like i wanted to go into like what are your little soft spots man what, what are you really challenged <laughs> with and he's kind of like no i mean I just crush them. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's okay. Like, I think that the, like sometimes my wife and I, we, we joke about like, we wish we were, and I'm not saying this is what Ryan is. This is not what I'm saying. Ryan is, but like, I wish our brains, we, we talk about like, we wish we were dumber in the sense that we like aren't thinking about so much other stuff and it could just be simpler. Like, 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 it's like just narrow it down, narrow our focus down a lot so that... You're saying that Ryan Mishler is dumber than you and that makes it easier? He's in his oh, lane. <laughs> He's in his lane and and it is easy for me to jump all, all like through 16 lanes of traffic really, to try to man. hit the exit. I mean, he does, he, I'm, he's got... I love how he thinks about things and, and wants to work out words and definitions and meanings yeah. and categorize it. That's awesome, man. More yeah. of that. Definitely. Yeah. I, not, he doesn't seem like he's in his head in it, in, but he might be. You know, he might be in it as in his head as anybody, but yeah. he's definitely got something, some of the reins around it. And to do so with all the responsibility, it's just, it's something I'm personally challenged by, you know, mm -hmm. uh, part of me thinks I need to simplify my life a lot. Part of me wants to, it needs the complexity of being involved in a few different things. And I like the challenge of them each finding their little analogy, their little place that fits, yeah. you know, and that's all supports, you know, um, but the, for the you and the Ryans of the world who have a wife and your, you know, a, a partner and kids and also businesses that are on the back of their shoulders and their shoulders essentially alone, yeah. that's, you know, that's a lot of pressure, man. And to do so and not be in constant fight or flight and have that parasympathetic nervous system still, you know, calm, bit nervous system base you know that's that's amazing and especially to do it in a society that is metal and plastic tossed salad and fucking cars <laughs> ripping all over the world it's it's like yeah you you what you and him are doing you're doing pretty similar things yeah it's incredible that you can that you aren't going fucking bonkers it i mean i you know i was listening to one of <laughs> his talks are you? Yeah, <laughs> by the by the hair of my chinny chin chin like i i 
hearing him talk about how much he trains, I mean, I, I mean, mm. I'm sure he's he's interested in progressing. I think, I mean, I, and we could have probably had a whole other hour of talking just about that. But there's probably my guess. This is a wild guess. Is there's probably a lot of mental relief from that kind of thing, and which allows him to Huge. be able to to get back into there. Yeah, it's, good call. But you got to do it yeah. all, all day long. You know, you got to yeah. do the right thing all day long to to succeed at the level that you all are are succeeding at. You know, and it's like, what do I need now? Oh, I need to literally like do twenty. You know. 20 push-ups in my bedroom right now just to get out of my fucking head yeah. 10% more so do I can go do this ta- you know it's just yeah. like you got to be a ninja yeah yeah <laughs> I mean the, the you know one of my greatest things is just turn off my damn phone plug it in the other room leave really yeah for sure yeah not near my bed don't wake up next to it don't call sleep next to it you know well, it's hard as we uh sign off here I wanted yeah. to uh say that I really respect that you led in with just being like, Hey man, I'm kind of jealous of you. I, I thought that that was very leveling of the playing field and you, you putting yourself out there more and more. And I think that you're not trying to pretend to be something you're not. And in doing mm-hmm. that, you, you seem to be attracting more of the clients and success that you're really looking for at some, I admire and value. Oh, thanks, man. I, 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 I had to say it. Not for anybody else, but for me. Fuck yeah, I could. I know what you're doing. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Thanks for putting this together. You know, I know we have different roles for this podcast, and one of the roles that you have is handling the relationships with our guests, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of follow up, and I really appreciate you, man. It's it's uh, no joke, and it's it's cool to see who's coming on. Like I've I've known about him. He's a little bit of a celebrity in the men's world and and men's work world. And it's cool to get to talk to him and it's cool to watch him do his thing. And, and the conversation was brought to you today by Daniel Penner Klein. <laughs> <laughs> they all are. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, man. Love you, brother. All right. Love you too, man. Talk to you later.